Hi, this is Jeffrey Smith, and I wanted to share with you some information that demonstrates with such clarity the complete incompetence of the regulatory agencies, the FDA and the EPA in particular, for regulating GMOs. Now, I'm going to blast these regulatory agencies as completely incompetent but I want to share first, it's not everyone in these agencies. <clears throat> I was talking to my good friend, Jim Turner, who wrote Chemical Feast, the Nader report on the FDA. <clears throat> and he said that there are three types of people in the FDA. Uh, and one level is incompetent, that they can't be hired and used anywhere else. Another one is highly competent, highly competent scientists uh, who are often hired away by um, companies and universities. And then there's the top tier, which do not have a scientific agenda, but a political or economic agenda, and they're often in charge. So when I tell you that I find the regulatory agencies totally incompetent, it's not everyone. It's not everyone that works there. And I want to, I have a, disc, a disclaimer in my book, Seeds of Deception. I don't want to disparage the hardworking, conscientious people there, but I am going to dig in without hesitation and reservation into the disastrous, re disastrous policies of the FDA and the EPA as revealed by four recent news items in December. And this is a stream, I've been doing this for 25 years, and this is just the next wave. But I'm gonna get into it in a little detail so you understand how much science they are ignoring to make declare something safe. So the first of these travesties is that the FDA approved for human consumption and organ transplant a genetically engineered pig. This is the second food that was approved from a GMO animal. The first was salmon, and the courts shut down their approval as illegal because they didn't take into account some of the environmental impacts. And believe me, when they looked at the health impacts, they ignored that too, because when they look at genetically engineered animals, they treat them as medicine. They do a medicinal evaluation, which means that it's a very, very narrow scope and can overlook a lot. So what did they overlook in this pig? First of all, the pig is called gal-safe because there's a particular alpha-gal sugar that some people are allergic to, particularly if a lone star tick bites people and transfers this alpha-gal sugar into their system, they may get an allergic reaction. And so they sometimes get reactions to red meat that contain the alpha-gal sugar. So they genetically engineered the pig by knocking out the gene that produces the alpha-gal sugar in the pig meat. Now, first of all, there's, this is a very rare condition. Not many people have it. But this pig meat is going to be released into the entire food supply. Not in large numbers, they're only limiting it to a thousand pigs per year in Northern Iowa, 
But who knows where they're going to end up because they ship pigs, pig meat all over the world from Iowa. Now, here's what the FDA ignores blatantly. The science that they ignore is ridiculous, especially because of COVID. I'll give you an example. There's an antibiotic resistant gene inserted into the pig DNA. Now, there's a concern that this gene might transfer into bacteria that's pathogenic, rendering the bacteria resistant to antibiotics. In this case, it's neomycin, which is something that's used in human and veterinary medicine. So right now, if you look at the FDA's website, I haven't done this in years, but what I did last time, I, there, was, there was a strong warning against antibiotic-resistant diseases. I think they were estimating 50,000 people dying a year, uh, un, unnecessary amputations. And to release genes into the food supply, now, they're claiming, oh, it's, it's probably not going to have a big effect, but because if, even if it does, it's only being released on this one farm in northern Iowa. Well, are we ignoring everything we've learned about microbes in the last eight months? Vi the COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 virus has spread around the world. Bacteria can spread around the world. Elaine Ingham, a scientist, tells me that EPA scientists secretly told her, blew the whistle on a secret study done at the EPA, which verified that bacteria released in one place in Louisiana spread around the world after a few years. They were just simply testing how GMO bacteria spreads. So the concept that the FDA scientists could say, well, even if it does cause some antibiotic resistance, it'll be contained. What planet are they on? This is serious. People are dying from antibiotic-resistant diseases. And now we're just approving these genes to be put into animals. There was a recent gene-edited gene cow that was edited to not have horns, and the FDA approved it by uh, saying that it was great. And it turns out that they happened to run a test. One FDA um, employee just ran a test to test a, a program that she was working on and discovered that the cow had antibiotic-resistant genes inserted into it accidentally. And they ended up killing all of the cows in Brazil because they were growing into a herd when they realized that there was antibiotic resistance in the cow. So why are they allowing it in the pig? But that's just one. That's just one of the ways that they ignore even their own scientists. In the process of genetic engineering, you create all sorts of unpredicted side effects. It is the number one most common result of genetic engineering. Everyone knows this who pays attention, but evidently not the FDA <clears throat> because they never tested for other changes or never require, they don't, test, they don't do their own testing. They just require the companies that will benefit from the sales of these products to submit data. So that's a problem right there. But they, 
<clears throat> never required tests that looked at the side effects. And even for the test, even for the, they never did any animal feeding tests because typically that will show you um, if there's some kind of toxins or, or some kind of unexpected problem. But they never even did any animal studies or they ne also they never tested it on humans with the alpha-gal sugar allergy. So they're releasing it into the human food supply, saying that this can be eaten by people with this allergy, and no one has actually been tested who had the allergy eating these pigs. This is unbelievably bad science. <clears throat> now, they're, they're primarily developing these things for transplants because sometimes the gal, alpha-gal sugar can cause rejection. But... In the past, when they have genetically engineered pigs to not express the gal sugar and transplanted it into baboons, in the long term, it didn't work. So it actually has no verification that it works as a transplant mechanism. And there's other reasons why bodies can reject pig organs. And there's a concern about transferring pig uh, viruses. And also, finally, for the animal rights people, when you genetically engineer animals, typically you have to cause a lot of deformities and stillborn deaths of genetically engineered animals before you get to one that apparently works. So it demonstrates some of the side effects. It demonstrates the non-predictability of the process and also huge animal suffering. So that's one of the four news items that demonstrate ridiculous incompetence where we as consumers are facing the possible results. <clears throat> now, here's one for farm workers. My friends over at the uh, Center for Food Safety sued the EPA for their approval of glyphosate, the chief poison in Roundup. And they said that their approval did not take into consideration the health of the farm workers and farmers who are spraying it. Now, I spent some time, as you probably know, following and even attending some of the meetings of the Roundup trials, where Lee Johnson, for example, was spraying Roundup, tremendous amounts of Roundup during the summer at a, at a facility, at a school district, and ended up, there was a hose break, he got drenched in it once, another time he was using a back sprayer and he got drenched in the back. He ended up with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and the evidence was clear. The EPA was hiding the link to cancer and the International Agency on the Research of Cancer was clear that glyphosate is a probable human carcinogen. All of that was ignored by the EPA when they approved glyphosate, ignoring the possibility that farm workers will have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, or one of many other diseases that are associated with Roundup. They also disregarded the environmental impacts. They disregarded the fact that <clears throat> there'll be more glyphosate-resistant weeds, but there'll be drift onto other farms. And they even ignored the threat to endangered species. Now, it's required that the EPA do an evaluation that the data comes out about the threat to, to endangered species before they reapprove it. But they decided to approve it before the report came out. And guess why? Because the report was damning 
to glyphosate, saying that it could damage 93% of endangered species. That's 1,676 different endangered species and 96% of their critical habitats. So no wonder the EPA decided to approve glyphosate before other aspects of the EPA released this data because it would have been hard to justify. And so they're saying yes to spraying Roundup now on 285 million acres of farmland in the United States. And on top of that, 21 million pounds on forests, parks, lawns, schoolyards, that's right, schoolyards and roadways. <clears throat> they also never paid attention to the pollinators, honeybees, which are being devastated right now, and other pollinators, and the monarch butterfly. You see, Roundup-ready crops are used in the Midwest, so they spray the whole area with Roundup. The other plants die, except the Roundup-ready crops. Those other plants include milkweed, which is the host and feeding ground for monarch butterfly larvae. So now there's a devastation of the monarch butterflies, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service verified that they deserve to be put now on the endangered species list but won't do that until 2024 because there's a backlog. So all of that was being ignored by the agency that's supposed to be protecting our environment. <clears throat> so that's the second, the second news item. Here's the third. I'm gonna preface this by saying, I think it was a year and a half ago, I interviewed Dr. Skinner from the Skinner Labs at Washington uh, University, University of Washington. And um, he found out that when he injected Roundup into pregnant mice, the great-grandchildren of those pregnant mice had the worst of, the, of the, all the generations because there was an epigenetic impact, a change in, not a change in the genes, but a biochemical attachment to those genes that changed gene expression. So in the case of Roundup, 90% of the great-grandchildren of the injected uh, pregnant mice had serious issues. They had uh, prostate issues, overweight, problems during pregnancy, I think kidney, I'm not sure. Uh, <clears throat> so we know that changes in the epigenome and the epigenetics can be inherited. So that's the background. The Regulatory agencies ignore this. They don't pay attention to the intergenerational effects. And the regulatory agencies ignore gene editing, considering it safe, predictable, and even natural, which it, it's none of these things. So this new study, which came out in BMC Genomics, they took mice and they used CRISPR-Cas9, which is the, the poster child of gene editing, and cut it and inserted some additional materials and then tracked the epigenetic effects and found that it changed gene expression for 10 generations. I don't think they tested beyond that, which means that if you use gene editing in one generation, then 10 generations later, you still may have unpredicted side effects that carry through generation after generation after generation. Now, they're allowing 
gene editing on plants. They, they, there's no regulatory agency in the United States that has any oversight into most of the gene-edited foods that are being developed right now. There was a, a mushroom that was, gene editing was used to knock out a gene. The USDA said, we have no jurisdiction here. The EPA, no jurisdiction. The FDA, it's only voluntary if you want to submit it. Now we know that a change could theoretically result in higher toxins or allergens or other types of epigenetic changes that will occur undetected because there's no requirement for evaluation. Okay, that was the third. Now we're getting to the fourth and final. This is the one that, <laughs> I don't know if this is my favorite, but I know a lot about this from writing about it and reading about it for 25 years. It's about BT toxin. So there's a soil bacteria called Bacillus thuringiensis. If you gather up the bacteria and the spores, you can spray it on your garden and it will kill certain caterpillars. It'll do so because it'll drive holes in their guts and that will kill them. Now, scientists have taken the genes from these Bacillus thuringiensis or BT uh, genes out of the bacteria and put it into corn, cotton, and soybeans. And so now these plants are registered pesticides. In the United States, we have the corn and the cotton, and in South America, they also have the soybeans. And these produce the Bt toxin. Now I argued, I even testified at the EPA in 2007, showing that they are ignoring peer-reviewed published articles that the Bt toxin in its natural state causes immune reactions to humans and to mice. And they said, oh, no, no, it just affects certain insects. Well, they had to ignore science in order to make that determination. But it turns out that 30 years ago, in 1990, Monsanto put out information that was ignored, and it was just rediscovered by, by Test Biotech in Germany. And I was happy to see that it was, I, I never knew about this, that when you release BT toxin naturally, it's broken down. It's not broken down quickly. In fact, that's one of the reasons why it's a probable human allergen, because it's broken down slowly. Human allergens typically are broken down slowly in the digestive tract. BT toxin does not pass the WHO criteria, suggested criteria for uh, what what proteins should be allowed or shouldn't be allowed in the genetic engineering of our food because the protein doesn't break down quickly. But it turns out that in soybeans and cotton and corn, there are these um, enzymes that protect from degradation. It protects against the protein from being broken down even further which increases the toxicity of the BT toxin up to 20 times. So when the EPA reviews the BT toxin, they don't look at the BT toxin in the context of a plant. 
They allow companies like Monsanto to produce the Bt toxin from genetically engineered bacteria, which is completely different for many reasons, and this is one of those reasons. The toxicity, the potential allergenicity of the Bt toxin is much less in the bacterially generated toxin. But the one that we actually get exposed to in corn chips and polenta and cornbread and for South American soy, for soy products, it may be 20 times more toxic, more powerful, but that's not all. You see, the soybean that we eat has a natural trypsin inhibitor, which blocks the protein in the protein digesting enzyme trypsin. But in genetically engineered soybeans, and this was information that Monsanto tried to hide, but it was uncovered from the Journal of Nutrition from a study by, by Barbara Keeler and published in the Los Angeles Times as a, as a letter to the editor, they tried to hide the fact that for their genetically engineered soybeans, the amount of trypsin inhibitor is up to seven times that of natural soybeans. So this means that the toxicity and allergenicity of Bt toxin could be more than 20 times higher. But it also means that every single protein that we eat, if we're also eating the Roundup Ready soybeans, every protein may be broken down more slowly, increasing the capacity to create allergic reactions. All of this science has been ignored by the FDA. All of this science and regulators around the world. So that's why we cannot allow the biotech companies like Monsanto or their enforcement wings in Washington to dictate to us what is food and what is not. When I walk into a normal supermarket and I look at these processed foods in the center, I call most of them FSOs food-shaped objects, not actual food. I don't accept the EPA and the FDA's determinations for what is considered to be safe. And I encourage you not to as well. Now, one of the easiest ways to avoid GMOs is to eat organic. And I don't need to go into here the incredible benefits of health by eating organic. Just watch the movie Secret Ingredients that I did with Amy Hart. It is the most powerful conversion tool to eat organics because it's explicit about what happens when families and individuals and autistic boys and others switch to organic. All right, so thank you all for listening. I decided to go much more in depth this time uh, because I've been studying the health dangers and the, and the science for a long time. And these are, this is deep science, you know, the, the synergistic effects of Bt toxin produced inside a genetically engineered organism, the epigenetic effects of CRISPR-Cas9, <clears throat> the, the possible things that can go wrong with a new genetically engineered pig, both as food and as transplant. So this is real science. And sometimes the biotech industry <clears throat> spokespeople will <clears throat> try
try and teach, treat the population as childlike and say, oh, no, no, we've done our research. You don't need to look under the hood. This is all safe. When you look under the hood, it's a catastrophe. And I'll end by saying this. I've said this around the world and all over the world for years and years. The epidemic that has allowed for GMOs to propagate and persist is an actual concept. And the concept is that it's not my responsibility. It's someone else's responsibility. And I'm sure they're doing a good job or I'm sure they're taking care of it. So I give the example. According to the FDA policy, this was created by Monsanto's former attorney, Michael Taylor. It's not up to the FDA to determine if GMOs are safe. It's up to the company that makes them. And when you look at Monsanto studies, you realize that they're rigged research, that they're not actually doing the research that's needed. They're doing Monsanto type research, rigged research. And anytime they find animal deaths or injuries, they write it off in a non-scientific way as something somehow magically unrelated to the, to the study. And there's all sorts of ways that we have caught them red-handed lying. I travel to another country and I say to their regulators, aren't you concerned about GMOs? I have evidence that they said, we don't need to worry about it because your FDA has approved it. And then they're very, they're very competent. And then I point out that the FDA doesn't approve GMOs in the normal sense. They allow the companies that create them to approve them. But the companies themselves don't do the research. And oftentimes these regulators are shocked. Now we look at ourselves as individuals and members of the public as consumers. We can't assume that because something is USDA approved or FDA approved or EPA approved, that it is safe. In fact, the antidote to this whole problem is, is a change in the relationship between us and not just food, but everything that we don't give our power away. Now we have to choose our battles because we can't investigate everything, but at least have that holding on to your own power. Don't give it away to the government. Don't give it away to the FDA. Don't give it away to Monsanto. And then find what works for you. Well, that's my, that's my uh, rant today. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining me. And uh, I will be looking forward to sharing more information coming soon. Thank you for listening to Live Healthy, Be Well. Please subscribe to the podcast using whatever app you listen to podcasts with. Or go to livehealthybewell.com to subscribe. This podcast will inform you about health dangers, corporate and government corruption, and ways we can protect ourselves, our families, and our planet. I interview scientists, experts, authors, whistleblowers, and many people who have not shared their information with the world until now. Please share the podcast with your friends. It will enlighten and may even save lives. Safe eating.